Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hey everybody and welcome to the Are You Listening podcast where two dudes sit around and talk about music that one gives the other one to listen to for a week. I still don't know how to start this friggin' podcast correctly. 30-some episodes deep, and I'm still improv every beginning. I, I honestly, I sat down one time to try to figure it out, and there was just too many, like, pronouns in it, and, like, <laughs> yeah. his, this, that, and just... It's too much. No, no, they understand. One of us hasn't heard it, the other has, and we're going to get into it. <laughs> Very true. That's the plan. This week, I gave you David Bowie's The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Correct. This was the first of two records I bought ever back back in the day at like a school-wide garage sale. We had at my school. I like the idea of thinking who the person is that brought them to sell, like where they were in their life. That They're like, you know, <laughs> I don't need Ziggy Stardust and I, I don't really, need Dark Side of the Moon anymore. I really think I can I can offload these at a school garage sale. Yeah. And it's wild, too. I, I guarantee I picked them up for like a quarter a piece or 50 cents a piece. Yeah. Like it couldn't have yeah. been much. Absolutely. But, Perfect. Yeah, so uh, so not only is this the first record I ever purchased, this is the first one I ever spun. I don't know if I could pinpoint the first record I spun on a record player like by myself. Yeah, and the the one I have in my collection is still the one that I bought in eighth grade. So is it in, is it in good condition? Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, there's some pops and crackles, but I haven't felt the need to replace it at all just because it's that nostalgic feeling for me. Yeah, you probably have those pops and crackles like in ingrained with the songs in your head. Oh yeah. They're they're there permanently. Yeah, like if you listened to it streaming, you you it's in totally head, different. You would hear, it's so weird. Yeah, that's what I did this week. Cause I I've played the record over and over and over and over again. Tons of times. And then listening this week, I listened to listen to it on my phone while I was working. And I was like, nope, missing the crackle, missing that pop. Need, need Rice Krispies in this thing. Right. Come on. <laughs> I think sometimes the honestly, like a little bit of texture with those snaps and crackles makes some stuff better. Yeah. Like there'll be moments, especially 
you know, on older stuff where there's like moments where maybe production wasn't as tight as it could have been, mm-hmm. or there's like a, I mean, let's be real, a moment of silence that happens on in between tracks on records oh, yeah. a lot right. back then. Yeah, I think like it just gives you something like okay, it's still playing even though it's a record and you can <laughs> right. look at it. I know like, it's okay, we're, we're still moving. We're we're still getting there. Well, I mean, even in newer records, newer recordings, they intentionally put the crackles and pops in some songs, which is very strange. Also, yeah, it's a strange maneuver to be like, yeah, here we go. This is this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna make this sound like how an old shitty record used to sound. <laughs> exactly. But the, I mean, that's also just what records were like. That was just the natural sound. They didn't have all the hi fi needles and heads. Oh, yeah. And all this, no. all the, the tube amps to clean everything up. I don't know if yeah. that does anything. I don't I, I, <laughs> I see like thousand dollar tube amps. I'm like, I'm never buying one of those. So. Not ever. Not even. <laughs> no, I would love it, but I need to win the lottery, but I don't play the lottery. So neither do I. All right. Well, you want to jump into David Bowie now? Lay it on me, because I know there's a lot of information. I, there I hope you is. I hope you were able to trim it down. Man, it's crazy. I so going into researching for this episode, I got completely overwhelmed. Like Emily was sitting next to me, and I just put my head in my hands. There, I can't even start to make notes <laughs> on this because there's so much. But I did manage to trim some down, and we'll just we'll just get into it. So, uh, David Robert Jones was an English singer, songwriter, and actor, born January eighth, nineteen forty seven. David Robert Jones, known professionally as David Bowie, was a leading figure in the music industry and is regarded as one of the most influential musicians of the twentieth century. Bowie was acclaimed by critics and musicians, particularly for his innovative work during the nineteen seventies. Did you also say that his name was Davy Jones? His name is David Robert Jones. So Davy Jones, like, isn't that like a guy from the monkeys? Yes, it is the guy from the monkeys. And, and wasn't he a pirate? Davy Jones. Yes. Davy Jones locker. Yeah. Is, not, is I, I don't mean like the guy from the monkeys was a pirate. That's a whole nope, other. <laughs> I understand. That's where my head went first. <laughs> and I was like, was he a pirate? I don't maybe in an episode somewhere. <laughs> They're riding that bathtub down the fucking street. <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> uh, his career was marked by reinnovation and visual presentation, and his music and stagecraft had a significant impact on popular music. Bowie's 1969 commercial breakthrough, the song Space Oddity, won him an Ivor Novello. It's a London-based award for songwriting and composing. Is that the ground control to Major Tom track? Space Oddity, yes. That's like the monster one right i'm pretty like that's like, sure yeah like like if if you if somebody never really listened to david bowie and you say hey david david, david bowie song other than maybe ziggy stardust that would be one that they say correct right okay i'm familiar with that just like that's what i knew about bowie was that track basically sure the award was a special award for originality um, for his performance in the 1976 sci-fi film The Man Who Fell to Earth, he won a Saturn Award for Best Actor. In the ensuing decades, he was honored with numerous awards for his music and its accompanying videos, receiving, among others, six Grammy Awards and four Brit Awards, winning Best British Male Artist twice. He also won the award for Outstanding Contribution to Music in 1996 and the Brits Icon Award for his lasting impact on British culture given posthumously in 2016. As far as I'm concerned, I don't think there's anything that should have been given him given to him posthumously because I mean, 
I know he died rather suddenly, I guess, but uh, suddenly to the public. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like he he didn't have. And I'm sure you probably have this in the notes. 30 albums like he's it's not he like he put out four albums. Yeah, we're going to go through a section where it's I think I'd started it already, but just awards that he's gotten. I really kind of cringe at posthumous awards and stuff because there's that point where it feels like they're just capitalizing on the publicity of the death. Yeah, kind of. And, and like the whole like give people their flowers while they're alive. Like I'm a big fan yeah. of that. I'm on board with that 100%. And I try. I try. I think that definitely needs to happen more. Yeah. Oh, for I sure. I try. But I also feel like, especially now, there's an idea of I don't want to praise this person too much because we don't know how they could change and turn into something. And then you're right. on record saying, I love this guy. And then that <laughs> yeah. guy's out there doing something fucking stupid. Yeah. No, 100%. I agree with that. But yeah. definitely, definitely two sides of that coin and two edges to that sword. <laughs> oh, for sure. In 99, Bowie was made a commander of the Ordre des Arts et des Lettres. It's French. <laughs> uh, the Order of the Arts and the Letters. Uh, its purpose is the recognition of significant contributions to the arts, literature, or the propagation of these fields. As far as this order goes, there are three levels of the order, commander being the highest. So Bowie has the highest honor in this order. Other commanders include Sean Connery, Bob Dylan, Meryl Streep, Patti Smith, Ray Bradbury, Eric Clapton, and Iggy Pop. I would say there's a lot more, but there's not that many. When I went through the list, there's, I don't know, maybe less than a, maybe less than 60. I mean, that's pretty much hitting, hitting for a thousand other than old slow hand in there. But you know, that's, oh man, no, Eric Clapton. Come on now. Mm. Mm -hmm. Not Mm. a fan at all. Mm. Uh, I don't, I've never, I don't know if I've experienced a lot of his stuff, but him as, him as, him as a person is 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 very overshadowing anything else currently. Bowie received an honorary doctorate from Berkeley College of Music as well in 1999. So Dr. David Bowie. Yes, Dr. David or Dr. Davy Jones. But do not call him sir because he has declined a knighthood from the British Empire. Okay. And also turned down the honor the royal honor of commander in the order of the British empire in 2000. And he declined the knighthood in 2003. Bowie later stated, I would never have any intention of accepting anything like that. I seriously don't know what it's for. It's not what I spent my life working for. I could, I honestly, as, and this will, this will come up when we talk later about the actual album we're talking about, mm-hmm. but it, it, you could interpret that as he just didn't want the pronoun, sir. who knows (laughs) like i there's 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 one track in particular that we'll talk about where we'll touch on this but i I think like it could just be as simple as that you'd be like i'm not no i'm not sir nope we're good yeah (laughs) there's there's a lot that went on with sexuality and gender gender yeah with him yeah like i have a theory on throughout his life and career so well, I have a theory on it just based on this album that we'll get to. Oh, fantastic. We'll get there. During his lifetime, Bowie sold over 100 million records worldwide. In the UK, he was awarded nine platinum, 11 gold, and eight silver albums. And in the US, five platinum and nine gold albums. First off, I didn't know there was such thing as a silver album. Is that just a UK thing? I want to say, 
I think they all exist. Like sure. you can even have a bronze album, but the thing is like, I think artists have to pay to get those plaques made. Oh, okay. And nobody's going to pay to get a bronze. <laughs> I would, if it was me, the only reference I have for like those records is basically watching cribs and them showing off like their, their room, right. their plaques on the walls. <laughs> right. And like, they're never like, okay, here's my six platinums. And then I got two bronzes down here. <laughs> I'd be all I think there might even that. be like there might even be like a copper record. And I I don't know. Oh, that, wow. That's like selling a selling hundred year buddies, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Bowie was announced as the best selling vinyl artist of the 21st century in 2022. His vinyl sales for the 2000s were 582,704, calculated up until January 6, 2022. That's a lot. Yeah, it placed him ahead of the only other act to top half a million units in the format, The Beatles. Yeah. That has to be just like new vinyl record sales, too, I would think. Because you can't keep track of secondhand sales. You definitely can't keep track of all of them. I mean, if this was done by Discogs, you could factor some of those in. But I mean, going to my local record shop and paying a buck in the dollar bin for... Or even like eBay sales. Like, I don't know if you could aggregate those. Oh, yeah, I, don't I don't know, know. but yeah. yeah, that that's, that's pretty insane. Yeah. That's a lot. That's crazy to me. There's a lot of wax out there just floating around with David Bowie's <laughs> fucking name on it. It's true. Wow. I have a bunch of my collection right here. Yeah. That, that couldn't have counted for my, uh, school garage sale vinyl record purchase. I, I don't know, man. Maybe there is like some sky, some David Bowie Skynet that counts everyone that's out there. Every time one gets sold, he knows. <laughs> he just knows. He knows. It's like, oh, oh, hey, we just sold one over there in the Anwar High School. We got her. <laughs> Bowie has five albums listed in the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, seven songs on their list of 500 Greatest Songs of All Time, and four of his songs are included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 Songs That Shaped Rock and Roll. Yeah, this is the only like David Bowie album title I knew, other okay. than, I think, it wasn't Black Star, his very last album? yeah yeah i knew of that one. one yeah i know of that one also but i that's the only i i couldn't have named i don't think i can name another album title and like i said he has what fucking 40 albums he so has a ton yeah I, I imagine his first one or one of the first ones is probably a self-titled i actually think he has two self-titled ones but other than that i wouldn't be able to because i wasn't i wasn't about trivia. to write i wasn't about to write them all down in the notes yeah i wouldn't have been, i wouldn't be able to win the trivia <laughs> about name like seven David Bowie album titles. Oh, it's not that hard. It is when you never listen to any of them. I mean, yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, his first two records are self-titled. Man, I guess I would. I, I'd have sounded smart at that trivia. Be like, ah, you know what? Self-titled. <laughs> He's got 26 albums. It's quite a few. And I'm sure there's a bunch, there's some live albums out there. I'm sure there's compilation oh, albums. Yeah. I'm sure there's greatest hits. 26 is a lot of records. 26 is a lot. Started in 1967 with his first self-titled <laughs> How many of the 26 do you own? 10 on vinyl. So like a third. Yeah. I, there's <laughs> definitely crazy. a lot more out there that I need, but some of them I don't know, like the ni- the early 90s ones. There's one in the 90s that I did know that I was a huge fan of. He worked on with Trent Reznor called Earthling. That one was fantastic. Well, he had like, I'm sure to make that many albums, you have different yeah. eras. Like like oh, he sa- has different he sounds is, and eras. Oh, yeah. He's well known for, like I said, reinventing uh, yeah. himself time and time again, uh, not only 
visually but musically as well i like that i like i like like everything about it he's definitely like an artist when you like it's hard to say that he's just a musician because obviously he i mean he was an actor as well in this family we love the labyrinth and his Mm -hmm. his role in that is just fantastic we love it we watch it like every couple months I probably saw Labyrinth before knowing who Bowie was. I imagine a lot of people your age did. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But there was a, and this might, this is, might be one reason why I was kind of, I was never anti Bowie, but it was, mm-hmm. it just always kind of turned me off because there was a, a, a subsect of people my age who, it, it, I don't even know if it was directly Bowie, but these were the same people who were like so into Rush, but like mm. ironically almost. And then they were also like the people who were just super into Bowie. And I was just like, I, I don't want to hang out with you guys. So if I listen to <laughs> Bowie, it means that like we have something to talk about. So I would rather, <laughs> oh man, I would rather keep that bridge drawn than gotcha. have to put that bridge out and potentially talk to you because I think we're good. <laughs> I don't need to know anything else about you. Yeah, I think we're all right. Like you guys keep talking about YYZ, whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> and then I'll listen to David Bowie in, I don't know, 17 years and do a podcast episode on it. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> David Bowie was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1996. He was inducted to the Science Fiction and Fantasy Hall of Fame in 2013. And in 2016, Rolling Stone proclaimed Bowie the greatest rock star ever. I, I I don't have an argument for that. Prince, I could see Prince maybe being in the in the conversation, sure. which also brings up an interesting thing that these like <laughs> androgynous these like <laughs> these like androgynous just sexual beings are the greatest are kind of the best stars. rock stars. Yeah, because yeah. I don't know. If, I mean, yeah, greatest rock star. I don't know. I don't have. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't have another. Like I don't, and Prince has just sprung to mind. I'm glad sure. they didn't say Elvis because he fucking stole everything. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't have an argument for that. Yeah, I, like, I like that decision from Rolling Stone. And then I have I have here a couple really odd kind of things that I found out about David Bowie. Okay. In 2008, the Spider Heteropoda David Bowie was named in Bowie's honor. There is a spider. An actual spider. Yeah. There's an actual spider named after him. That's awesome. That's pretty sweet. I love a fun fact. I love a fun fact. I'll take all the fun facts. Keep throwing them at me. Okay, here's another one. On January 5th, 2015, a main belt asteroid was named 342843 David Bowie. I remember seeing an article about that or something. So I actually did know that one, which is also... Another incredible thing. Like, yeah. that's just awesome. Like, just name whatever. Name everything after David Bowie. I don't give a shit. Right. It's awesome. Well, on January 13th, 2016, three days after his death, Belgian amateur astronomers at Mira Public Observatory created a Bowie asterism of seven stars, which had been in the vicinity of Mars at the time of his death. The constellation forms the lightning bolt on Bowie's face from the cover of his Aladdin Sane album. So there is a David Bowie constellation. I'm familiar with that album cover, but I would have never mm-hmm. in a million years been able to tell you what the name of it was. Like, I've seen that picture, but I did yeah. not know it was Aladdin Sane. No, not even one of those words. It's a good record. I have it. It's fantastic. 
But that's awesome. And I do remember that article about that constellation because that's that's one of the coolest things ever. Yeah. And I know How there's cool that thing it? where like you can name a star after somebody for like 25 bucks. But yeah. That's yeah. not nearly as it's... cool as astronomers naming. For sure. Right. Yeah. And then um, on March 25th, 2018, a statue of Bowie was unveiled in Aylesbury, Buckinghamshire, the town where he debuted Ziggy Stardust. The statue features a likeness of Bowie in 2002, accompanied with various characters and looks from over his career with Ziggy Stardust at the front. The statue looks awesome. Like I looked up a picture of it. It looks so cool. Like it's just a bunch of different pictures of personas yeah it's super awesome so like if there was a mick foley statue like you would have mick foley <laughs> and mankind and cactus dude love jack. and cactus jack and like maybe like mama foley's little boy maybe because that was kind of like his first thing <laughs> yeah yeah i could see that we need to make that happen too let's get a fucking mick foley statue <laughs> getting into notes about the record the Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars is the fifth studio album released by David Bowie. It was released on June 16th, 1972. It was released in the UK through RCA Records. The album was co-produced by Bowie and Ken Scott, who was known for being one of the five main engineers for the Beatles, as well as engineering for Elton John, Pink Floyd, Duran Duran, as well as many others. He's also noted for being a producer for... Supertramp, Kansas, Devo, and Bowie, of course. Ziggy Stardust also features Bowie's backing band, The Spiders from Mars, consisting of guitarist Michael Ronson, bassist Trevor Boulder, and drummer Mick Woodmansey. Wasn't the guitarist name, didn't they also call him Mick? Michael Ronson, yeah. Yeah, I think they also called him Mick, because I saw in the... Like in the liner notes that it said like there were two mix and I was like, this is a weird, oh, this yeah. feels like a joke. <laughs> this feels like a bar joke. There's two Irish guys floating around. Wow. Mick was, Mick was a popular name. Like Mick, Mick Jagger. Foley, Mick Jagger. Mick Foley. Mick Ronson. I don't, I don't know if I got another Mick. <laughs> those are those, those are a couple big ones though. Yeah. Mick Jackson did Thriller. No. No. Mick, Mick Bolton. Nope. <laughs> Um, I don't know if I got no. Know. We're done. <laughs> um, oh come on, pull one, pull pull one more fucking Michael. Michael is one of the most common names in the English fucking language. <laughs> uh oh, here we go. Mick Buble. There we go. <laughs> Mick Buble. Yes, <laughs> Mick Buble. That's a different guy. <laughs> My, Michael Buble is who we see. Mick Buble plays different. He plays in different tunes. That's yeah. That's. He's like a Gigi Allen impersonator, Mick, Mick Buble. Totally different vibe. Ooh, I don't want to run in Mick Buble at a dark alley. That's for sure. Nobody does. He has <laughs> knives all over his body. <laughs> Most of the songs for Ziggy Stardust was written around the same time as Bowie's previous album, Hunky Dory. After that album was completed, recording for Ziggy Stardust commenced in November of the same year, 1971, with further sessions in early February 1972. So he went, recorded Hunky Dory, wrote these songs while recording the songs for Hunky Dory, then just went straight to recording songs for Ziggy Stardust. Uh, The album consists of 11 tracks and a runtime of 38 minutes and 29 seconds. Ziggy Stardust peaked at number five in the UK and number 75 in the US. 
It initially received favorable reviews from music critics. Some praised the musicality and concept, while others were unable to comprehend it. In 72, I get that. Yeah. That's the weird thing, right? Like, this came out in 1972. Like, for me, I got a hold of it in the 90s, and it it played amazingly then. How many tracks did you say? 11? 11, yeah. 11. Which, 11 in 72 is weird, because it's like five and five like that's how records were forever until cds basically but yeah it's some of these some of these sound like you could have picked them any of these tracks out of any year in between there like some of these sound like they could have been 1987 some of these sound like they could have been 1950 (laughs) it's it's a fucking it's an insane thing it's it's a really wild vibe yeah for sure described as a loose concept album and rock opera Ziggy Stardust concerns Bowie's alter ego, Ziggy Stardust, a fictional androgynous and bisexual rock star who is sent to Earth as a savior before an impending apocalyptic disaster. In its story, Ziggy wins the hearts of fans, but suffers a fall from grace after succumbing to his own ego. I think I got some of that. I think I got some of that. (laughs) The glam rock and proto-punk musical styles were influenced by Iggy Pop, The Velvet Underground, and Mark Bolin of T-Rex. While the lyrics discuss the artificiality of rock music, political issues, drug use, sexual orientation, and stardom. The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars was selected for preservation in the National Recording Registry in 2017, being deemed culturally, historically, and artistically significant by the Library of Congress. Did you say he was influenced by Iggy Pop? Yeah. Do I just not know how like old Iggy Pop is or like how long ago Iggy Pop started? Because I honestly thought Iggy Pop was like 15 years after this album. I just thought Iggy Pop was like a punk guy from like the early 80s. That's wild to me. If Iggy Pop was an actual like <laughs> influence on David Bowie, that's not, that that's a little mind blowing to me because they don't feel at all. No, the Stooges were going since 68. But that's the same year that Bowie's first album came out, right? Or 67. So Bowie actually beat him by a year. I think I always just thought Iggy Pop was a punk guy and he looked like that because they do a lot of drugs. But I guess he is just that old. Yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. Iggy Pop is still in incredible shape and it's weird. Like, it's It's weird how good shape he is. Yeah, it's crazy. Speaking of people crazy looking shape, did you see Danny Elfman on stage? No, I didn't. He's like 70 and shredded. And like really? tat it up. Look, look up. I think it's Coachella. Just real quick. Look up Danny Elfman Coachella. Holy cow. No shit, right? What? <laughs> How? It's really wild. Like he's, he looks like he could be 35 years old. He looks like he could be 30. Yeah. Other records that released in June 1972. Yeah, this might be fast because it's yeah. probably just me going to say, never heard it. Never heard it. Never Pretty heard much. it. Pretty uh, much. Alice Cooper's School's Out. Is that the one with the wooden desk cover? It sure is. I've heard that one. <laughs> I saw him live and it was great. I love I think the, the show he puts on is fantastic. Pink Floyd's Obscured by Clouds. Never in my life listened to that. You've listened to Pink Floyd before, though. I've listened to whatever their big one was. The Dark, Dark Side, Side of the Moon, of the maybe. And then Brick on the Wall. Another Brick on the Wall I probably listened to the also. Wall. Yeah, okay. That's it. Just those two. Gotcha. Uh, Aretha Franklin's Amazing Grace. 
I guarantee you I own it, but I don't know if I've ever listened to it because I have <laughs> I have Aretha's entire fucking discography. Basically, it's insane. Merle Haggard's "Let Me Tell You About a Song." I, I know nothing about Merle Haggard except for his name. Yep, uh, the Rolling Stones' "Exile on Main Street." Yeah, we've talked about. I've never listened to a Rolling Stones record. You told me sure. to steer clear, <laughs> I, just because I'm not a. Huge you told me fan. I'm good. Yeah, you're good. You told me I'm all right. Yep. Uh, Neil Young's "Harvest." I don't know if I listened to that one. I I have listened to a Neil Young record or two, but okay. I don't know if that's one. He has one song that blew me away and made me want to listen to more Neil Young. And then once I dove into an album, I was like, I think I'm good with just the song here and there. <laughs> gotcha. Lou Reed's Transformer came out. I've never listened to Lou Reed. I mean, I've oh, listened to wow. a, a track here and there, but never an album. That might have to go on the list. I'm a big fan of Transformer. Curtis Mayfield's Superfly. I think it was a soundtrack to the movie. Yeah, they redid that movie like five years ago. Mm. And it wasn't good. Yeah, I can't but imagine also, it was. But I enjoyed it. I enjoyed okay. it. Well, it wasn't good, but I enjoyed it. Because <laughs> it felt, it still felt too much like black exploitation, which yeah. is what the cinema was, though. So it, I don't know. It's, all, it's, it's a weird, it was a weird time to redo it. Let's put it that Yeah, way. right. Stevie Wonder came out with Talking Book. I don't know what one that is. It's one of his bigger ones. Like all these I, records that came out in June 1972 are, are yeah, they're massive. Uh, Chicago's. <laughs> five came out what's the cover of five i think it's the wood wood grain looking one i think oh that that has saturday in the park that's a huge one yeah that's what i'm saying like june 1972 is insane (laughs) for music releases i think we'd find that a lot if we go back and look at like those times because the records that we're getting put out are the ones that are getting played. So they're going to be bigger it's not like now where you go and look at how many records came out oh yeah every week there's a thousand records and you're like, right. how? Cause back yeah. then you could let you, if, if you had the money and the time you legitimately could listen to every record that came out. Right. Yeah. Not anymore. It's impossible. No. <laughs> impossible. Black Sabbath's volume four came out. The one with Ozzy, like the black one with Ozzy and his arms up, uh, like a white outline of his body. I think. I don't know if I've ever, and like I, and as a guy who I think we've talked about my music history is I had a, a point in the road. I had a fork in the road where I had to choose. Was I going to be a Black Sabbath fan or was I going to be a Led Zeppelin fan? Yeah. Now, I know those aren't like two opposites that you have to choose from. But in right. my head, that was my fork in the road where I had sure. to choose. And I think I chose Black Sabbath, but I so quickly dove into a wildly violent <laughs> and disgusting subgenres that I, I think I don't think I gave Black Sabbath as much as I should have. And I think I, maybe I'll do a. They have like 50 albums they with have like different with different like singers, different, different singers, different everything, different lineups. Yeah, completely. I think that'd be an interesting chore. And I say chore because that is a lot of albums. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. And then the last note I have for records coming out in June 1972 is Mott the Hoople's All the Young Dudes, which was produced by David Bowie. And the title track was written by David Bowie. I've never heard any of those words together in my life. <laughs> Mott and the Hooples. Mott the Hoople. Couldn't. No. <laughs> nope. There's not even an ounce of maybe. No, there's nothing. I've never heard that <laughs> that name before. Those I know what all those letters mean, but not put together in that order. <laughs> sure. And the number one album, June 16th, 1972, Thick as a Brick by Jethro Tull. I don't think I've ever listened to a full Jethro Tull record. I never have. Wait, is Jethro Tull Aqualung? Yes. I've listened to Aqualung. Okay. I just, I, I love the idea that somebody like 
every band that we mentioned on here is somebody's favorite band. I love, I love Quite possibly it could be. Yeah. Like there is somebody out there who is the biggest Jethro Tull fan. And it's like, okay, <laughs> right. Awesome. I'm glad you found what you love. And I, I've heard, I don't think I've ever heard a bad thing said about Jethro Tull. I think the only controversy I know about Jethro Tull is that he won best metal album at some award show over Metallica. That's the only thing I've heard. I think I'm a Jethro Tull fan, though. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the notes I have. So we can get you to dive in to your track by track notes for yes. David Bowie's The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. Now, you kind of, uh, by saying that this is a soft concept album, it's yeah. kind of threw oh. my my theory out the window because oh, no. my, like if it's a concept album then yeah it's a loose concept my, album. my theory is kind of the concept <laughs> so <laughs> i i have it i and i think this still applies i don't know if this is a concept album i okay. i genuinely think that david bowie may be an alien like i'm not <laughs> even kidding i think i think he may have if he's not an alien he was abducted early like he was, early, early. He was just brought back home in 2016. Yeah, but I, I genuinely think David Bowie's an alien. So that I will be touching on that as we go through these track by track. Perfect. So first track opener, five years. Five years. It is. It's piano driven, uh, rock a la Elton John. Like you mentioned, Elton John earlier. The same guy produced it, so that's yeah. kind of why I would I would have heard it. He's produced Elton John stuff. I'm familiar with Madman Across the Water, which came out if not the same year as this it's very close it might be a year before a year after but i know i'm pretty sure because i know madman across the water is early 70s so it's close to that and that's probably just the sound i'm getting i'm just hearing that because that's what Mm -hmm. i have to relate it to yeah but all of it feels there's something a little off and i think this is where him being an alien comes into play like every time he says something i'm like I know what you're saying, but it doesn't seem like you exactly know what you're saying. <laughs> like you, I, it feels like you're pretending to feel what you're saying. There's just something off. Like I said, Bowie's an alien, so it's hard to connect with humans. Right. The one thing that I love, and I don't think I'm going to reference this much, but mm-hmm. it makes us wait three minutes for this chorus. Yeah. And that is something that I don't know if we talked about it or you noticed when we did REM, but REM does that a lot. They really make you like strap in and enjoy the song and build to a chorus. Sure. And this, this track does it unbelievably well. It does the same thing. It's like, Hey, no, you're going to wait. Like, <laughs> right. and the, but much like REM, there is also a big payoff because the chorus is great. Huge it is. Payoff. It's really great. Yeah. As a younger boy, if I would listen to this or sorry, as a younger man, I guess I don't need to be a boy. I don't know why I needed to say boy. <laughs> I might've went too far back, but as a younger man, I wouldn't have enjoyed waiting that long for the chorus. Sure. But I think now I kind of really love it and appreciate it. Like, I mm-hmm. love that it made me wait and it built to kind of this crescendo, which will be another ongoing theme in this whole fucking record. Sure. The intro to the song was actually the musical intro for my Vinyl Vortex videos I did on YouTube like okay. five years ago, which kind of led to our autoaudiography videos that we both did on YouTube. Yeah. Which led is to this, basically is that- a precursor to us doing this podcast. It is weird that we have prequels out there, right? Like, yeah, like we totally do. 
Like, technically, there are prequels of this podcast on YouTube. Yeah, technically, I already did this before. Just yeah. me talking, though. Because my, yeah, and- my, first, my first Vinyl Vortex video was about this record. And actually, those videos, the auto-audiographies that we did, were giant incentives for me to buy albums that I used to love on vinyl. Like, I was just buying That's kind crazy. of like new stuff and mm-hmm. kind of a lot of a lot of hip hop is what I was buying first. And then once that started, I was like, I don't have the records to talk about. Like I, right. cause <laughs> I, I felt like I needed to have it to hold it. And that's, right. that is probably why kid rocks up without a cause got a full video. <laughs> After Bowie's death, Rolling Stone listed five years as one of his 30 essential songs. And NME listed it as Bowie's 12th greatest song. I think that, the track felt less Bowie than even probably most of the other tracks on this record. It just kind of, I liked it, yeah. but it was just, it was like, Oh, okay. It was, it was fine. Like I was, I wasn't getting it what I expected from Bowie out of it, even though it was good. Sure. But I wasn't getting what I was expecting or what maybe I built up in my head just for that track alone. Sure. And again, I don't want to reference it much, but much like R.E.M., there's a lot of lyrics in here that I don't fucking understand one goddamn <laughs> word of it, but it sounds right. great. Sure. And it 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 makes it just it, it invokes some type of emotion, even if I don't understand what the words are saying to me. Gotcha. And some some of that might be lost in translation from the 70s till today. Some of that mm-hmm. might be for British sure. slang or British sayings brought into today. Oh, yeah. Uh, who knows? Some of it could be David Bowie's own language because he is a goddamn alien. Next track, Soul Love. Uh, a love song for love? Yeah. Is this written for me? Like, what? Was this written for me? I know. Every time you have told me that you love love. Yeah. This is great. Oh, yeah. This song comes it, to mind. It is just it is just a love song for love. I, I think, by the way, every time I am interpreting what I'm hearing, mm-hmm. it might not be it because it, some of it is absolutely batshit. But sonically, this one opens up and to me, it feels like a 50s like grease rock. OK, like kind of like poodle skirts and like that situation. <laughs> but then after the saxophone, it transitions into a more modern rock and it's it's weird to say modern rock because by modern in 72 i mean like more modern than 72 but yeah. i kind of mean I, I mean classic rock which is kind of like 70 so to 70 like <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean I, even more than like the classic rock 70 though it feels even more updated so it goes from 50s it shoots by the 70s and almost like mid 80s it has a feeling at the end of this when it's just get, like guitar driven rock yeah, that saxophone was bowie that's awesome. I, yeah. I that, that is awesome. That if you're in there playing your own saxophone, you get a pass from me for whatever you're doing. What a wild thing that I didn't know. I didn't know that that oh. was Bowie playing saxophone. And then That's when I awesome. looked up notes for it and saw that yeah, Bowie played saxophone on this thing, I was like, "You have to be kidding me!" Like what? Uh, like <laughs> how talented do you have to be? Come on, for real. Like I so Bowie is already up on a pedestal for me, but to throw in like his ability to knock out a sax solo like nobody's business not even like a mediocre sax solo like, no, it's great it's amazing and yeah, it's, it's not, amazing and it's it's a it's a legit solo there's nothing else happening other than the saxophone yeah exactly <laughs> next up we have moonage daydream the lyric ray gun to my head 
space face close to mine. It, that's all I ever needed from David <laughs> Bowie. Like as soon as I heard that, I said, this is what I tuned in for. Sure. This is why I was here. This is the David Bowie that I had in my head and he delivered perfectly with this. It's like a, it's like a sci-fi love song. Yeah. I barely understand what any of it means. Any of it. Most of the words couldn't tell you. Don't know. But this was introducing Ziggy Stardust to the record, like, like a, a formal introduction where like he's coming to, to, to save the earth from, from the impending disaster. That was the lyrical content of five years. So five years was just speaking on the earth being destroyed. This apocalyptic disaster type thing then soul love was supposed to be like people dealing with their love in the shadow of what was to come for this apocalyptic disaster and i need it i need this space stuff it's so good it's so i love the space stuff i don't know if because when i read isaac asimov's foundation trilogy i just found it so cold and like boring Mm-hmm. that it turned me off of sci-fi for a while, maybe. Okay. And I don't know if it's Bowie introducing the love into it that might sure. be what's so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And this this is 400 million times better than Isaac Asimov's Foundation <laughs> Trilogy. If you just read all these lyrics, I would read this over I, before I read the Foundation Trilogy again. And I know anybody who is a sci-fi reader thinks that's like blasphemous because like you don't talk shit on it. He's the godfather of sci-fi. <laughs> I'm all right. You can yeah. have it. You can have that. You can keep your your uh, Lovecraft. I don't need to read that ever again. I'm good. I don't I don't need that. But this is fantastic. I'm not even upset about the <laughs> tinkering at the end of this. There's like a minute of tinkering. Just yeah, there and is. I say tinkering, and I'm kind of like diminishing what it is. But I'm, I'm I use tinkering as like a just a blanket statement for sure. just what whatever's happening. Kind of like an instrumental at the end of the track. Whatever. I was say it's like chaos like instrumental chaos because it doesn't follow the the foundation or formula of the music previous in the song yeah, yeah. it's kind of like like uniform jazz a bit like there's like they're jazzing it at the end but you can't call it jazz because i know it's probably not improv you know what yeah, I mean? right, it's just, right it's definitely written uh this song was actually in uh guardians of the galaxy do you know when like do you know what part of the movie Never mind. It doesn't matter because we've talked about this. I don't. (laughs) I don't hear things like that. It doesn't matter. Next up, Starman. Yep. Hear me out here. Oh no, Cosmic Beatles, but (laughs) not in the sense of like the Beatles writing space music, but more like an alien. David Bowie listened to the Beatles and is doing his best imitation, but it's actually better than the Beatles. (laughs) Sure. Uh, th- this is my favorite track on this album. I love this track so much. Uh, Paul Stanley, step aside because you're a star child and this is a star man, baby. <laughs> this was actually the lead single. Deservedly, deservedly so, because it's it's fantastic. The chorus is such, uh, again, every track on here builds to a crescendo mm-hmm. and every track on here keeps you invested the la la la's at the end, little long for me, but sure. I did need a cool down because Starman takes you to such heights that it needs to bring you back down. Yeah. Uh, this was actually Bowie's response to RCA requesting uh, like a single. Like this was a late addition to the record. There's no way that the record company was upset. Oh, <laughs> like no. if the record company heard this, they were like, y- yeah, 
you you did exactly what we wanted. Th- thank you. Like they probably didn't even know how to react yeah. how good this thing was. Well, Bowie played this on Top of the Pops, and okay. sales went crazy. Mm-hmm. And it, um, the song launched to number ten on the UK sales charts or singles charts. And Q Magazine listed it as one of the 100 greatest singles of all time in 1999. I yeah, I would put that. I'd, I I might put this in top 20. I love this song so I much. I don't know its placement in the top 100, yeah. but yeah. I think it's great. When I heard this track my first run through, I knew I would like this album immediately. Like yeah. when I the first couple I was iffy. Moon Moon Moon, moon Age Daydream. Moon Age Daydream. <laughs> yeah. Moon Age Daydream like kind of like where it's tugging me into the water a little bit, but then mm. when Starman hit I said, "Oh no, this is this is it. Like this is what I wanted. This is exactly what I needed." from Bowie. Oh, it makes me worried about your notes on the next track. Next up, it ain't easy. Here we go. Yeah. This is a much more grounded song. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like we're ba- we're back on Earth, e- even sonically. Like, it doesn't soar like Starman did. Nope. But, but if you dig a little into it, it still feels like there's something a little bit off. Like, it's David Bowie trying his best to talk about human issues, but he's not a human. He's an alien. <laughs> so... It's like he's just it, he's kind of talking about these issues like, hey, this is the problem. And it's like, David, that's, that's not it's not a human problem, man. You're 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 misinterpreting and everything that's happening. Like, it's a weird situation. And this is where my it continues like the He's an alien. It, it just it feels a little off. But again, that could be because it was in the 70s in fucking Britain. I don't know. Or it could be that this is actually a cover song of what Ron Davies. No. He's like a country musician. The original version of this song is nuts. Is it the same exact lyrics? I believe so. I think there's, I think Bowie might have cut something out of it. I tried to listen to the original version. And I was like, nah, you can't take this song away from me. That's insane. It's, it's insane wild. that the 70s were the, such a wild west that you just put a cover song as a fucking, <laughs> just a straight song on your album. It sounds nothing like the original. It's wild. That is pretty crazy. The yeah. length is great. The length is amazing on this thing. It's like two minutes and 30 seconds. The original is much longer. Well, I'm glad we got this version. Oh, me too. <laughs> Next up, we have Lady Stardust. Mm-hmm. I hear an almost 2022 level of playing with like gender here, and it's insane. Like the there's pronouns all over the place. It's fantastic. Like this yeah. thing's um this thing could have been put out 2 weeks ago right. and it and it'd be like wow, that is something. I mean, there'd be a full group of people real fucking worked up about it. Right. But is it is it him? Is it an aging drag performer? I don't know. Is it both? <laughs> is it both? It's it's beautiful and like mm-hmm. maybe also sad. I don't know, but I know the length is great again. This song, this track's great. It's another great track. I just, again, fantastic. Gender all over the place. Love it. Oh, yeah. This song was recorded on the same day as Soul Love and Moon Age Daydream. He had a good day that day. Right? (laughs) Yeah, he had a good day. The original demo version of the song was called He Was All Right, A Song for Mark. And it's generally interpreted as alluding to fellow glam rock icon Mark Bolin who was the the front man for T-Rex. Wow. Okay. Okay, I feel like I need a history lesson on all that. <laughs> the the like I said, 
2022 levels of playing with gender and pronouns and it's sexuality. so wild it's- yeah it's it's crazy how i don't want to say like it came back but yeah it, it's it's crazy how relevant it is now still yeah yeah it's it's and you could say that about a lot of these actually like i don't i, sure. I think a lot of this is timeless like it, mm-hmm. I mean, maybe there's some phrases like that we don't understand, but sure. a lot of the music is seems timeless. But yeah. we'll also get into why some of that in this next track, Star. Star? It's wild playing with the expected definition of star here. Like, if mm-hmm. everything up to now was kind of cosmic, and then the definition of star is changed into, like, celebrity and rock yeah. star. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, like I said, if if David Bowie's an alien, you could say that it is also the cosmic star because he does do the transformation into the rock star from the alien being that he is. I love the fucking levels on this thing. The, not even this track, this whole record so far. It can be whatever you want it to be. Sure. You can interpret it however you want to interpret it. Yeah. And then even the people who would be like, worked up about certain things like maybe even the gender in that one track they could just say oh Bowie's a weird guy (laughs) like they could even they could even get that out so like the fact that every track on here could be interpreted to how you want it to be is Mm -hmm. an unbelievable accomplishment because that you can't do that a lot the other thing is there are acts there are bands there are artists out there that tried to write nine, 10, 15 minute tracks to put these opuses in and these, these giant stories that somehow don't compete with this track that is under three minutes long. Yeah. So you're telling me (laughs) this track is under three minutes. It does everything perfectly. It's so good. Why do I need to listen to a five minute track? I don't, I don't need to. This proves to me, this is proving my theory that you don't need longer songs because this thing is flawless. It's magnificent in what it is under three minutes. Get in, get out, tell a giant story, interpret it however you want, and then we're done. Let's move to the next track. We don't need two minutes of you dicking around on a keyboard. We're good. (laughs) This is why Bowie is the greatest rock star of all time. I think so. I I, I hear it. I hear it coming out. This this is... uh... Just a, a series of quick character sketches. In the context of the album, Ziggy is realizing that the best way to save the world may be as a rock and roll star. I, and I, I probably got some of that, but if I didn't want to, I don't yeah. need it. No, I you can, don't. Yeah. And interpret it some other way. However, it's you want. Incredible. It's yeah. incredible. Mm-hmm. Next up, hang on to yourself. Yep. I honestly kind of feel like David Bowie left the stage and his band's just playing this track. It just, it feels, it feels kind of hollow. It feels okay. kind of like, it feels a little like empty is a bad word, but <laughs> it, it, it it feels like when you have the levels of charisma and the levels of just whatever that alien it factor is that David mm-hmm. Bowie has, I don't hear it in here. I don't sure. hear it in the song. It's just kind of loose, even though, I mean, this is still David Bowie doing the vocals. Like, mm-hmm. even though that's happening, it seems toned down. Uh, it just feels like a filler track to me. I'm not saying okay. that they they phoned it in, but it just kind of feels like, okay, we we put something there. It's fine enough, but it's it's my least favorite track on the album. Okay, so this track was actually originally released as a single by Bowie's band Arnold Corns is the name of the band in 1971. That's, that's one of the worst names I've ever heard. Yeah, for it's, a band it's not life. good. Um, Arnold Corns? Yeah, yeah. Don't think that's what I'm telling strangers my name is from here on out. <laughs> How you doing, Arnold Corns? Nice to meet you. 
The main riff is representative of glam rock's influence as a bridge between 1950s rock and roll, specifically rockabilly, and the punk to come. Next up, Ziggy Stardust. Yeah. I don't know if we can talk much about Ziggy Stardust. It probably hasn't been talked a a thousand times everywhere else. I've definitely heard it before, but I never probably focused on it. Like, I guarantee you this is one of the tracks in the car with my dad. He'd turn it up. He'd sing Ziggy plays guitar. Mm -hmm. But in between the first lyric, Ziggy played guitar to the last lyric, Ziggy played guitar. I couldn't tell you for all the money in my pocket what the fuck this song is actually saying. I don't know anything about it. It's great. It is really good. But I I have no clue. Bowie's an alien. That's all. That's all I have. I, I, I don't know. The fact that you just pointed out one of my favorite things about this song is crazy. That it starts and ends with the same lyric. I love that. <laughs> I love that so much. That right there shows a mastery of lyricism, in my opinion. Yeah, when I you can start a song off with the same three words you end a song with, but they don't sound the exact same. Like it, it's taken a completely different context. There's a huge story in between is mind blowing to me. It's amazing. The other mind blowing thing is the story that it tells is so big and the song itself has such a reputation and such a like, like Ziggy's when you mentioned Ziggy Stardust, there's nothing else people think of like that. Like they think of Bowie and this song, this song. And yeah, in my head, this, this track is 10 minutes. Like it, it feels like a free bird type of track where it just keeps going and going and going, but it does not. It is a quick track that is done. And somehow it it affects you again in that amount of time that you don't need five minutes. You don't need 10 minutes. You definitely don't need 15. You definitely don't need any longer than that. I'm looking at you, black metal, shut it down. (laughs) This song is one of the four Bowie songs listed in the rock and roll hall of fame's 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. It peaked at number 17 in the U S hot rock and alternative songs, billboard chart. And although Ziggy is introduced earlier on in the album, this song is the centerpiece presenting the rise and fall of the star in a very human like manner. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wild. It's, it's really wild. I don't know. Again, I don't think I'm smart enough to talk about Ziggy Stardust. Like it, it's because I, I think it is so well done that you almost have to be a scholar to peel it apart. Like it, it is, it is the greenest, ripest. No, right, the opposite of ripe, not <laughs> rotten. Wow, there are three stages of a banana. No. There's like pre-ripe. There are. There's ripe, and then there's rotten. This is like the greenest banana where I'm not smart enough or patient enough to peel it because it's it. You can't peel it. The, the, the outside's so hard, but there's so much inside that I don't know if I can get into it. It's, it's amazing. I, I honestly, there are much smarter people than me have talked about Ziggy Stardust. So you don't need my fucking input on it. I think yeah. it's great. Next up, Suffragette City. I yes. had no idea that this track was David Bowie. I am this. I was more familiar with this track than Ziggy Stardust. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I thought this was the Scorpions. I thought this was <laughs> the band kicks. If you ever listen to kicks, K I X, which, by the way, kicks his first album didn't even come out till like 81. So I don't know where my wow. head's at. Yeah. This sounds like a, a straight 80s like rock song. It's it's so good. I don't know what it means, though. Is it is it an entire <laughs> city of women just wanting to vote? Like, is that what's happening? I don't know. 
So there's a few things about this record or this song uh, that I have. First off, this song was original was originally offered to the English band Mott the Hoople, that who declined it and Get recorded Bowie's song "All the Young." I don't dudes. want him. I don't want them here. Right, but they, but we offered it to these dudes, and they were like, "Nah, we'll take that All the Young Dudes song, though." But yeah, the one we don't know. And then they centered their entire record around. It. I know it, but the lyrics include stylistic references to Anthony Burgess's novel A Clockwork Orange. Quote from Bowie. The whole idea of having this phony speak thing, mock Anthony Burgess, Russian speak, Bowie said, that drew on Russian words and put them into the English language and twisted old Shakespearean words around this kind of fake language fitted in perfectly with what I was trying to do in creating this fake world or this world that hadn't happened yet. Well, chalk up another one. I'm not smart enough to understand. Yeah, no, he just made threw a whole bunch of stuff together and that was that was it. Yeah, chalk another one up. Don't know don't know what it means. But I don't need I, to know. It's a friggin' amazing it's, song. The song is great. I don't know if it hundred percent fits into the album for me though. It doesn't feel like sure. it follows the rules of and again, rules. You know, it's hard to say there's rules on this thing, <laughs> but <laughs> right. it just doesn't feel the same way the rest of them do as much as i love this track it doesn't feel like a ziggy stardust song it doesn't feel like a space adventure it doesn't even though the first couple didn't either sure i think i'm attuned to that vibration now you're in in the vibration of that and this doesn't vibrate with it so then we have the closer rock and roll suicide much like all the songs building to a crescendo this track feels like the crescendo of the entire album which just means it's a perfect closer. The acu- it starts yeah. out acoustic, it slows you back down, but then it build it builds itself, and it's still it, it's it has a crescendo. It is the crescendo. The length is perfect. Although, by the way, there's only like two tracks on this whole album that length was even close to an issue for me. I was gonna say it's eleven songs at thirty eight minutes. Yeah. My speed. That's right up my alley. Yeah, That's right up my alley. Right. P- perfect closer. Perfect length. Excellent track. It's great. It is great. The whole record is phenomenal. I don't. I. I. <laughs> all right. Book and test real quick. The book and test. We have five years to rock and roll suicide. Now, the the issue yeah. with this book and test is it'd be like reading the inside flap of an actual book. You're going to get the right. basis of what you're getting, the basic story, but you're missing all of the beautiful twists and turns and the the space stuff would kind of almost be lost entirely if that it would be lost that yeah. was the only two you had so it would right. be like reading what's a what's a giant spoiler that has like we could talk about it now it'd be like reading uh the sixth sense and and it mm-hmm. doesn't say anything about Bruce Willis being a ghost <laughs> like, right. like that's just <laughs> you're missing the entire point of the movie and I feel like with the book yeah. and test of this, you'd be missing the entire actual intent of the meat of the sandwich. You're just eating two chunks of bread. And I love bread. Bread's great. But in this situation, <laughs> I need the space meat. Give me all the space meat. Yeah, the space meat. <laughs> A few cleanup notes. David Bowie passed away January 10th, 2016 of liver cancer in New York City. He'd been diagnosed 18 months prior, but had not made his condition public. Starman may be gone, but his legacy will live on forever. In a few short weeks after this 
episode gets posted, this album will turn 50 years old. That's a, it doesn't, wow, 50 years and this thing still sounds like it could have been made yesterday. Literally just brought tears to my eyes saying that. 50 years. And honestly, these tracks, okay, we just need somebody right now to start covering this entire album as their career. It's amazing. Because it would, it would, it could just be like, let's go. That's all I need. Like this, this, this album is fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I actually felt like you trying to get a top three for this. I, 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 I fucking so struggled so hard. I did. I, I pinned it down, but I had to put like a lot of caveats on why a song didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't choose Suffer the City yeah, because yeah. I knew it before and it doesn't feel like a Bowie track. So I didn't put that in my top three. Sure. Number three. That, that actually got scratched out as one of my top. Like I have actually five. Okay. Okay. But I, I scratched out two of them to make room for. Yeah, it's it's crazy. My number three is star because it was when I really realized okay. that you could go in this with any intention and whatever intention you have will be vindicated. Like you could find anything you want inside this record. So like star sure. is so important because it made me see those levels. And then I went back and was like, wow, this is this, it's just it's another level. Like I don't there's very few times I've listened to a record. And been so confused, but also okay. confused in a way where I'm confused because I know that it's because I lack the knowledge, not because I can't obtain the knowledge. Because there are times sure. where like, I'll listen to something and I'll be confused and be like, I'm not going to get this. I, it's, I, I don't understand it. But this, I'm like, <laughs> I could get this. And I am also already getting it. Like, There's so many different levels to this. It's insane. And that's why Star is my number three. My number two is moon age daydream because that's when the space was brought into this record and i need all of it mm-hmm. i need all the space space meat get in me i need it <laughs> i need it which i wouldn't i wouldn't yeah. be sure that david bowie didn't call a certain part of his body space meat if we're being real <laughs> and then my number one i already said it earlier is star man it's so good it's almost yeah. a flawless track it's so- i yeah. i bow down to star man I bow down to Starman. Like I said, it's, I'll never think of the comic book Starman. I'll never think of the Star Child. Sorry, Paul Stanley. You're done now. You're out of here. <laughs> My number three is Moon Age Daydream. Okay. It's just a such a good track. Just I mean, we talked about it. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Number two is Five Years for me. Okay. Just because it has that personal, just a hold on me. That very beginning of the fading in drum beat, and then that really beautiful string ringing out, and then the 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 chaos at the end, and Bowie's vocals going to almost a scream when he's he's like shouting out five years at the end. Love and it. then that same emotion actually comes through in Rock and Roll Suicide at the end too. Like he, he there's yeah. a lot of emotion in that too. So th- there is a, an emotional journey between the two, but you can't really hear it without the inside. You know what I mean? Like you'll, you, if you right. hear those two, you'd think that the whole album was that emotion, and it is many other emotions. It is, yeah, tons of other things. And then my number one is Ziggy Stardust. Yeah, just because that that track is phenomenal and I, I can't argue with any of it like i said the only track on here that i don't care one way or the other about is um hang on to yourself yeah hang on to yourself which you know it's it's fine yeah. but i to me that's the only one that on this track i wouldn't put on a pedestal of this track is great 
And I also think sure. with my modern ears, I don't think I, I appreciate the production on this thing as much, even when I'm trying to hear mm-hmm. it, because it's all analog production. Like none of this is digital. Yeah, I don't 100%. I don't know if I if that hits me like I try when I listen to it, I try. I'm like 72, 72, 72, 72, 72. Oh, 72, yeah. Trying to remind myself. But I don't. I still don't think I appreciate it fully for how good it is, because it is. Sure. It's so precise. Everything seems right where it's supposed to be. It's it's a great album. It really is. So I'm going to ask you the question. Yeah. Throne, own, phone, or groan for the rise and fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. You said this album turns 50 like after this episode drops. Quite literally four weeks after this episode comes out. So I'm hoping that there is a new repress because I went looking to buy this. I wanted to buy this and I want my own copy. Everything I find, there hasn't been an American pressing of this since I think 94. Yeah. Which seems pretty fucking wild. Like, I feel like this album, they should repress, somebody should repress it. Like, who has, where's his estate at pressing this fucking record again? And I get that there's (laughs) that many out there. I do get that. But I I don't, I don't want a used one. Like, I want to hear exactly everything on the record, want it to be exactly what is, like, it's mine. That's my copy. I don't want somebody else. (laughs) Sure. There were a few that I looked at and like there's a few recent like like European pressings that are just a little pricey. Mm -hmm. I don't. Yeah, it's not a situation where it's like this album isn't worth this. It's a situation where I'm like, do I want to spend that much money on still a used record? Like, that's where I'm at for that. Right. Yeah. So if this thing gets repressed and not in a David Bowie four hundred and fifty dollar career retrospective box set, (laughs) then I'm, (laughs) I'm trying to buy it. So it is an own. I can't put it on the throne because I don't I I don't I'm not skilled enough and knowledgeable enough of even 70s music in general, let alone like David Bowie's sure. career to put it on a throne. Yeah. But it is so close to a throne. It's a hard, hard own. It's very close to a throne. There are throne tracks on here, but as a whole, oh, I, yeah. I can't put it on the throne with the lack of knowledge I have. But maybe later in this sure. podcast, <laughs> once you bring me some more stuff, <laughs> I guess we'll we'll figure it out. That's a W for me. I loved it. Big W for you. That's awesome. I'm so glad you liked it. I actually called both of my parents separately and asked them at one point, why didn't you turn me on to David Bowie at all? (laughs) No way. And the first thing my dad said was, hey, Ziggy plays guitar. And... And then, but like they both... Oh, that's fantastic. They both would say he had... Because neither of my parents are like album listeners. Sure. But my dad like ran down a, a bunch of songs. He's like, yeah, we used to play that. We used to play. We played Suffragist City all the time because he had a band with his brother. Like they were in a band. Right. And he said he played a bunch of Bowie. And But they both at some point in these conversations said, oh, man, he's weird. So like it had, <laughs> it's kind of that attitude that where like you can yeah. pick out what you want. I'm going to be honest. Other than this record, I don't know if I fully like have a grasp on like a Bowie sound even like if you played another track, I don't know if I could tell you, Hey, that sounds like David Bowie. I wouldn't be able to do that, Mm -hmm. which is, well, that's the thing. great, but also maybe that's why I never saw him as like a, one of the rock and roll gods that he should be because there's so many different sounds that it wasn't like, this is his sound. Right. Right. He just made different sounds and and I appreciate it. And I'm, Maybe I'm glad I waited until I was older to listen because I don't know if I would have appreciated it as much when I was younger and naive sure. and just wanting to fight everybody. Yeah. 
what else were you listening to this week then? I was listening to, I don't know if you know this artist at all, um, but really got into him not too long ago. Uh, really stoked on his sound, on on the way he raps. Um, little known guy named Stove God Cooks. Oh, yeah. Really got really dove, dove into Reasonable Drought, his record. Great record. Um, solid, solid record. Yeah. Yeah, super, super good. I wanted to do a whole thing at the beginning of this episode where like I pretended to launch it and we were just doing a whole nother Stove God Cooks record. <laughs> but I thought it would come off as like you, like you would think I didn't like Bowie if I was like, all right, right. we're doing this again. Yeah. So I, but I yeah. had it in my head because dude, I haven't been able to stop listening to <laughs> can't, it. I told and you. really listening to Ziggy Stardust backed by reasonable drought is wild. I agree. Cause I did the same thing. I was doing the same thing. Like whenever I would finish a run through of Ziggy Stardust, he'd be like, all right, well let's throw reasonable drought on for a little bit. So what were you listening to? I actually, I sent you one track from my album of the week that, all I got from you was that is a crazy track. My record of the week is Action Bronson's <laughs> Coco oh, yeah. Coco Drillo Turbo. Yeah, it is crazy. I mean, you have Alchemist on there, Derringer on there, Rock Marcy on there, all as producers, and then arguably the biggest feature on it, Conway the Machine. I mean, you could argue Rock Marcy might be like kind of same level, but action decides he's going to produce it himself and action Bronson yeah. loves rapping over the wildest instrumentals. It's, it's so weird. It's a fever dream. And the whole time like actions rapping, I'm like, yeah, this is what I expect from action. And I'm just the whole time I'm thinking, how is Conway going to attack this? Like, where is Conway <laughs> going to come at this? And then he does it flawlessly. Yeah. And then not only flawlessly, but I think he gives us not just 16, 32 plus bars. Like he just keeps going yeah. on the track. I was surprised when he kept going because it broke there for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. After his first 16, there was an instrumental break for all of like three seconds, maybe. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, action's coming back in. And no, Conway just rips yeah. through another. It was pretty crazy. If you're an Action Bronson fan, you'll appreciate his new album. If you're not, just avoid it because it is, it might be action Bronson <laughs> with the pedal to the metal. Like it is action Bronson oh, yeah. doing action Bronson. I guess I just got to tell you what we're listening to next week. Um, yeah, shit. I didn't, I didn't have anything picked out. I have no idea. <laughs> um, pull up the list. Yeah. I think we're just, we're going to do, yeah, it's going to be it's from 2004. Okay. It is going to be 13 tracks, 50 minutes, 13 long. tracks. 50 minutes, okay. It is by the band, which I think we, I just asked you about this recently, so I keep giving you things that we add to the list recently. It is by the, <laughs> is by the band Three Inches of Blood. Okay. And it is Advance and Vanquish. All right. I think we're going to have an enjoyable experience. The All right. The title, like the band's name, is a bit of a misleading thing, and you'll know exactly. <laughs> okay. You'll know exactly what I mean when you listen. Like, there's a bit of it where you hear that, and you're like, "Oh my god!" But I think I think we'll we'll both enjoy this. I think we'll both enjoy this album. <laughs> okay, good. So I guess that's it, right? Big own on uh, Ziggy Stardust. I'm big stoked own. about that. Big own on Ziggy Stardust, and I, I will own it. I just want my own copy. <laughs> just. Yeah. Follow us on Twitter at AOL Pod. Send us an email at areyoulistening.pod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook group. Link will be in the show notes. Listen to us anywhere podcasts are available. Thank you for listening. Scott, yeah. thank you for the episode. Thank you for the album. 
Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. I really, really am. It's a big one for me. I, I liked it a lot. Like to the point, like I said, where I was mad at my parents for not making me listen to more <laughs> David Bowie. Um, next week, Three Inches of Blood, Advance and Vanquish. Give it a listen. Give it a spin or don't. And then don't listen to the episode, but listen to the episode. Go yeah. tell, go tell, uh, go tell a tree about us. Like just a go, talk, go talk to nature and yeah, trees might be aliens. We don't know. I don't know anything anymore. <laughs> I'm so turned around by this David Bowie album. Uh, maybe you'll get abducted and then come back and be able to put out a rock opera much like this, but I doubt it because it is special. Nothing like this. Are you listening? Are you listening? We need to make that happen, too. Let's get a fucking McFoley statue going. I understood. God damn it. I was a fucking comedy speed bump there. Oh, come on, Nixon's coming. We're finally on our own. <laughs> that sounds just like him. Space meat? Get in me. I need it. And I need the space meat.